0: As we begin another hour here on Get Up, I just want everyone to understand this is a full-service program. When my guys are good enough to come down here, D. Wood get a little <laughs> Theragun action here. Yeah. I've got my gun yeah. with I Every single day I bring it in here. And D. Wood just he looked a little stressed to me,
1: so I just First took of care all... of the big fella. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's always when you uh, scratch the you know—scratch the bear, that's always a good thing. It's always a good thing.
2: You can tell that there's absolutely zero pressure getting put on by Greeny. He's, <laughs> he's used to this surface level like wood is like he think there's a fly on his back. Yeah. You got to dig in there, Greeny. Well, I had it on free. Let me see this.
0: Uh, yeah, that's my third gun. Why do you have the point option? Uh, I mean, I don't know. That's just the one that I chose. I'll show you how to use it a little bit later. And with that, uh, listen, we're a delightful program. We're delighted you choose to get up with us every single morning. I'll get you in the break. Uh, with that, we say we are live from the Seaport. We're brought to you by Patron. Perfection starts with Patron. Fresh. We're going to be live in India in just a couple of minutes. We'll take you through all of the football, but there's only one place to begin. Last night, my friends, LeBron James did something that he himself had never done before in his career. His biggest fan is D. Wood, sitting right next to me. Here we go. It's LeBron, Kawhi, Jay-Z, and company. Mm. Lakers down 19 in the fourth quarter, but here comes the king.
1: He's in his
0: bag. Look, fourth quarter, boy, he's about to show off for y'all. He single-handedly outscored the Clippers in the fourth quarter, 19-16, to 16, and he was doing it from distance. Look at the range. He's, just, uh, D Wood, he's feeling it from downtown. Oh, yeah, when you start seeing that hand up like that, hand down, man down. Again, they were down as many as 21 in this game. Meanwhile, here he's going to find D'Angelo Russell, and the Lakers have taken the lead under a minute to go. Good finish. Clippers down by four. Kawhi Leonard, he would score 26 on the night. There's a tough two working on Anthony Davis. Comes down to this. Nine seconds left. Clippers have the ball down by two. Kawhi Leonard, the D from LeBron, the rebound, the outlet, and that's your ball game, LeBron with 34 points, 8 assists, and the Lakers come all the way back to win it, 116-112. For LeBron James, who, as I mentioned, outscored the entire Clippers team in the fourth quarter, that 19-point fourth-quarter comeback is the largest ever by any LeBron James team in his NBA career. So that's the basketball story. Let's get to the football where all eyes are on Indianapolis. All eyes are on that man, Caleb Williams, who has been presumed to be the first pick in this draft for basically two years. Yesterday, he met with the Chicago Bears, who are, of course, on the clock. He also met with the commanders at the Combine yesterday. Williams telling our Pete Sammel he'd be excited if Chicago drafted him, despite speculation, to the contrary. And, and as I bring Field Yates in, he's covering the Combine Forest this morning as well. Face. Here's the way My I'm describing it. De- oh, Phil, yeah, yeah, yeah. you need a little? I'll get you. Yeah. Uh, I, can <laughs> we get?
2: that? You seem more pro- appropriate for the pressure Greeny was applying, baby
3: face. Come on now, Dan. <clears throat> I weighed in at 172 pounds this morning, so you're probably right that enough of Greeny's pressure would actually do the job here. Uh, but, yeah, I am a little sore. I don't know what it is. That hotel bed's got me feeling a little bit different this morning than normal.
1: Hey, Phil, do you need me to use you again for the bench press test?
3: (laughs) (laughs) d D Woody, you are out to show America that you are still the most powerful man in all of ESPN. (laughs) Let the record show that you bench pressed me for more reps than Miles Garrett, the defensive player of the year in the NFL this past season. So, yes, if the Jets don't get your preferred offensive tackle to pick 10 overall, you might return to gangrene this year on a one-year deal worth a boatload of money.
0: We could desperately use him. I mean, if we could get someone who can bench press field gates, we'd be way better off than we were last year. Having said that, here's the way I'm setting up what's going on. Literally, as we speak, and I'm calling it six degrees of Justin Fields, the Bears, hold, Ryan Poles, the general manager of the Bears, holds like a third of the league in the palm of his hands because he's got first mover advantage. He will make a move at some point, and that move, whatever it is he decides, is going to impact the commanders and the Patriots. It's going to impact fields. It's going to impact Atlanta or Pittsburgh or whatever team is involved. It's going to impact Kirk Cousins. It's going to impact Russell Wilson. Field, a third of the league is waiting to see what the Bears are going to do. What are you hearing on the ground in Indianapolis?
3: Yeah, Greeny, when you acknowledge the possibility of your quarterback, your current quarterback, being traded, that being, of course, Justin Fields, as both Ryan Poles and Matt Ibraflus did a couple of days ago here in Indianapolis, I think everybody around the NFL is now expecting it to eventually get done. And Ryan Poles, I thought, was not only very fair to Justin Fields, but very honest to us in the media in saying that he wants this to get wrapped up sooner than later for Justin's sake because he wants Justin to feel as though this process is entirely transparent, which of course leads us to the next domino, which would be Caleb Williams or another prospect at number one overall. This is the last day of February. Much can change between now and April 25th when the NFL draft begins. But as you sit here and talk to people around the NFL in Indianapolis in an informal straw poll, many of them believe that Caleb Williams, when push comes to shove, will be the number one pick in this year's draft by the Chicago Bears. And by the way, a very worthy number one pick at that. Of course, I've loved seeing Dan dive in with his quarterback prospect reports. And we can find things in any of the games of Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Jaden Daniels that. Maybe we wish we're a little bit better or different. But when you just get down to it and you evaluate whether Caleb Williams in a vacuum is worthy of that number one pick, to me the answer is an unequivocal yes, which is why I believe he ends up being the Chicago Bears' new franchise quarterback.
0: I think ultimately he will be as well. But I'm going to take myself back through the mist of time here. I remember what the, the draft that Andrew Luck went number one and RG3 went number two. Russell Wilson went in the third round. Yeah, And I remember two or three years later asking Mel Kuyper if Russell Wilson had been six foot three. Where would he have been drafted? He said he would have been in contention to be right there with those two guys. If Jaden Daniels was 20 pounds thicker, I think a lot more people would be looking at him as the number one pick in this draft. That, I think, is what – he doesn't look the part the way maybe the other guys do based on the frame.
2: Yeah, I mean, if he was 20 pounds picker, people would be using the phrase that they're using for Caleb. They would say generational, generational player, right. generational talent. If he would be six foot three, 225 pounds, and you would sit there and go, what he accomplished – both in the SEC last year and what his tape looks like when it comes to things that you would transfer to the NFL, it would be rare. It would be like, hey, teams would be mortgaging their future to go up and get him. I would take Jaden Daniels as the number one right now. Fitzfield's Fields' point, that could change. I don't think it will for me. When I watch these guys play, okay, there's three things, babyface, that I'm trying to focus on right now. because. It's very difficult to evaluate these guys now when it comes to their quarter offenses. Number one, who's got the best ball placement versus man coverage? We know that's very real in the NFL. More teams are playing man than they ever did. Number two, what does it look like when you get the explosive plays downfield? Is it because you ran around for nine seconds and launched the ball downfield? Is it because the design of the play had guys wide open and you get a box score of 65-yard touchdown? What does it look like? And then the third thing was who's got the best pocket piece? You know, I I kind of pocket presence, pocket peace. Who's the most peaceful in the pocket? Because that's what the great quarterbacks in our league have right now. Out of the top three guys, Jaden Daniels checks all three of those at the highest level for me.
0: There isn't any competition if you just look at the seasons each of them had last year amongst the three of them. Jaden Daniels had by far the best season of the three, and he won the Heisman and deservedly so. But the one thing I keep coming back to, one year on the way to the draft, to cover the draft, I got super lucky, and I was seated next to Bill Polian on a plane, and I just got to pick his brain. And he said there's a reason that we check all these boxes, because history tells us that if guys don't fall within certain size and weight and yeah. speed yeah. and those measurements, then it's an outlier when they succeed. It doesn't mean they can't, right. but it means it's an outlier when they succeed. And so sometimes the safest thing to do is to go back to
1: the safest thing you can do. So much of our game in the National Football League is about, it's about availability. Are guys available? And we're seeing more so than probably any other time in the NFL yeah. in, in quite some time, quarterbacks are getting injured, quarterbacks are getting hurt. And so, yes, like, Jaden Daniels is outstanding. I do agree with a lot of what Dan is talking about. But I do think there's going to be people that's going to bring up the fact, you know, he's a guy that moves around. He exposes himself sometimes with these hits, as we've seen on the screen. Is he a guy that could put himself in harm's way where he's not available? But here's here's my thing, that's I think that's the question that's going to be asked by people out there. Here's my thing. Would you
2: rather have – this guy that is unbelievably talented in every aspect of important quarterback play that you got to say, hey, we got to really teach you in this league. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. OK, you got to get or you know what we, we I don't he, he think he's OK as a player. You he think he's good as a player and and but, but he's healthy. If you we raved <laughs> about CJ Straw versus Georgia two years ago. Right. right. Go go watch this young guy play versus Florida last year. His tape versus Florida. Missouri, Florida. We're watching some clips of him running. Go watch him throw the ball. Versus Florida, it's go. ridiculous. It's right go watch him throw the ball versus it's Alabama. It's ridiculous. Yeah, two first round receivers. But I, you, hold
0: on, yeah. let me talk about the first round receivers yeah. real quick. Well, he yeah. does have them. For, I mean, that, so maybe Joe. he helped with that. So yeah, oh Joe. no, no, I didn't mean so that as a CJ. negative. I meant he turned two receivers into. I mean, those are those are those things go hand in glove. Okay. You know what the best argument against me is? Field, by the way, and again, field, field, and Mel with the first draft podcast. Anyone who's a draft geek like I am, it's must listen. The best argument against what I'm saying about the injury risk is if you're willing to take him at two, you might as well be willing to take him at one, right? If, you're, if the concern is the injury factor, that's just as big a concern in the second pick in the draft as it is first. If you like him better than you like the other guy and you're willing to take him at two,
1: then I can see being willing to take him at one. I, I will say this. I will say this. and We talked about, Dan, we, we yeah. talked about this just a little while ago in the last hour. Yeah. Who's the guy – that plays in within structure the best. Jaden Daniels. It's Jaden Daniels. Because those are the guys usually who will probably have more success. Again, we get too enamored with the off-platform type stuff Mm -hmm. when we should be enamored with, you talked about the pocket piece. You talk about guys who can play structure. You talk about guys who can, you know, who are accurate, who can process, who can, you know, get the ball out on time. Those are the things that we should be enamored with, and everything else comes after that. Let me get Yates in here. Go ahead, Field. So uh, there's so much to
3: process here. Uh, A couple of things, just to mention the body armor part for Jaden Daniels, which is a real part of the conversation. We'll see what he actually weighs in at. He was listed at between 204 and 206 pounds during his final season at LSU. I will tell you that LSU has one of the most progressive and advanced sports science departments in all of college football, and probably all of football, to be entirely honest. And they feel as though Jaden Daniels has this elastic body type that he is built to withstand some of the hits that you saw him take better than a player who is your average 205-pound quarterback. I love what Dan mentioned about the ball placement against man coverage. And, you know, a big part of this job, most of this job, is trusting what your eyes tell you. But recently I've had the chance to work with a couple of the great researchers here at ESPN, and they shared a couple of numbers with me that blew my mind. If you want to pressure Jaden Daniels, which, of course, is going to leave you with man coverage in the back end, this past season he completed over 71% of his passes – with 20 touchdowns and zero interceptions when pressured. Mm. He can carve you up when you are playing man coverage in the back end. This past season was as much as any prospect since Joe Burrow in 2019 did to help his draft stock in one year. It's why I have resisted temptation all fall to put him as the number one player on my board. I slid him all the way down to number two. (laughs) (laughs)
0: By the way, uh, for those who think that we are just joking when we talk about D. Wood bench pressing Yates, can we live that moment again? Here we go. There's Yates with good core strength. What do you think of this, Danny? Look, it's got. got Greeny, you think I know anything about the bench press? Well, I don't know, but just the form here—that's a, a very intimate. Uh, my uh, grabbing—I don't, I don't I know—they're know know holding them there. I mean, sort of the, the right-hand placement. Yeah. You know, like. It's, it make, it's uncomfortable. Trust, trust me,
2: I, I was, it's wasn't violating right, right there. there. <laughs> I wasn't violating. Yeah, I can tell a, you that. Yeah. I'm yeah. trying yeah. to think of which angle. No, the no, no, that was a thigh. I can promise you. Yeah. That was a. Babyface, how much did you weigh here? A buck seventy-five.
3: Uh. Yeah, that was about 175. I'm you know, only about three pounds different seven uh, seven years later. I got less muscle now, though. I got more dad bod. Yeah, if you weigh
0: 175 pounds, I'm Yao Ming. I don't know what the hell it that- means <laughs> to what 175. All right, as we continue, Orlovsky is comparing another top prospect to Jordan Love, but not in the way you might expect. You need to hear this, and you will. Plus, can Russ still cook? Or more importantly, is he going to want to? I think this might be the most interesting conversation we have all day, and it's on the way. Don't miss it. Get up on ESPN. all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more.
2: Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't.
0: We continue, and once again, our favorite thing is to come up with a wood-based pun.
1: So here we go, D Wood. Mm-hmm. Would you believe? Would you believe Saquon Barkley on the Cowboys next season? Listen, I would love it. I would. I would. I would love Saquon to be on the Cowboys. We talk about the Dallas Cowboys being all in. You know, Tony Pollard was just not the guy. You know, not the guy to hold down the backfield. You put Saquon Barkley in this offense. Oh man, that that would be a beautiful thing. Do I think it's going to happen? No. I don't think so either, but I like it too. Next one. Would you believe Mike Evans on the Chiefs next year? I do not believe that. L- listen, I, I, first of all, it's just so hard to picture Mike Evans outside of a, a Bucs uniform. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't think that the, the Kansas City Chiefs will spend the type of money that it would take to bring Mike, Mike Evans on board with everything that the Chiefs got going on their plate. Trying to re-sign you know, Chris Jones and Legious Sneed. Sneed. I
0: just don't see it happening. It would be fun to watch though, wouldn't it? Absolutely. But he's managed to win two Super Bowls without a star caliber receiver. Let me go to one more here. Would you be, would you believe, excuse me, Russell Wilson a playoff quarterback next season?
1: I do. If it, if it, in the right situation, you talk about like the Pittsburgh Steelers? Absolutely. I think that listen, Russell Wilson wasn't bad last year. Especially when you talk about, you know, his play-action pass. He was one of the top play-action pass quarterbacks in the league this past year. So, in the right situation, absolutely. So, here's the conversation I want to
0: have about Russell Wilson. And, Dan, has you made the point repeatedly this season. You thought he was playing much better than the general public, I think, thought he was playing. and yeah. A lot of his being benched came down to injury guarantees and all the rest of that. Let, let's put all that aside for a moment. Russell Wilson, there, it, is, it has become very fashionable to knock him, and that you don't get that here because no, this is not meant to be a knock. This man, regardless of what he does this coming year, meaning even if he doesn't pay, play, he's going to get paid $39 million. He will have made $300 million in his career. He's a person who can do almost anything he wants with his life as soon as his football career ends. His option might very well be to go play someplace without any guarantee of playing, without any guarantee of starting, to go fight for a job somewhere and be getting paid, you know, basically a minimal amount of money. Okay. I don't know that every person facing that decision would say, I'm not just going to walk walk off into the sunset and say I've had an unbelievable career. I, I don't think that is Wait, you, outside the realm of possibility. For
2: Russell to walk away? and Just to be like, look, 0% chance. He goes and plays next. Russell year. Wilson. Yeah. You th- you th- you th- the likelihood that he does not play next year. So
0: let's say he, he gets he gets released He's, by Denver, he, which we think he and will. And he
2: takes his thirty nine million dollars and doesn't play.
0: Well, I mean, so so his option is then going to be probably to get signed by Pittsburgh, Atlanta, you name the team, right. For some very minimal amount of money and, and compete for a starting job. Is that is that? What you expect that to be? A hundred percent. A player of his, of his stature at, at this stage of his life?
2: He's got as much fake belief in a good way that anybody that we have in the NFL. Russell Wilson doesn't believe in um, failure. Russell Wilson doesn't believe in not not an accomplishment. Russell Wilson believes in himself. He believes he could do anything. He's got that power of belief, and it's worked out for him. For you know, in many ways, what was trending to be a Hall of Fame career, it yeah. has not you know, led to that trajectory of the last few years. Russell Wilson was a top 10 quarterback performance-wise for most of the season last year with a rookie as his number one wideout. He went stretches without Jerry Judy. He went stretches without Cortland Sutton. He went stretches without Greg Dulcich. And so for a guy that I, I get lost in the Russell Wilson kind of stuff because for a player that was a very good player for a long time, and in the midst of a very unique situation was a top 10, top 12, top eight, however you want to phrase it, quarterback, you could win a lot of games with performance last year without a ton of help around him, and we think that he's going to be out of the NFL? Like, I, we I, think he should be out of the NFL? Dude, the Pittsburgh Steelers would be an 11-win team with Russell Wilson. The Atlanta Falcons would be an 11-win team with Russell Wilson. So I think it's way more likely that Russell goes and plays good football somewhere then he does not play anywhere.
0: Field Gates, get in on this.
3: I would be surprised if Russell Wilson... Is out of the league now. I mean, I would be stunned, to be clear. Russell Wilson, we're not on an NFL roster this upcoming season, Greeny, and I would say this, is a couple weeks from now, after the first wave of free agency has run its course, we might have a much better view of what Russell Wilson's future looks like. Not just because he will be released by the Denver Broncos, but also because we've all tried to find a scenario in which we can place Justin Fields with pretty much every quarterback needy team that mm-hmm. is not picking in the top three, right? Because We all think those first three picks would be quarterbacks. He can only go to one team, though, and there are just not that many available veteran quarterback options that teams are going to view as capable starters, especially if Baker Mayfield returns to the Buccaneers and Kirk Cousins goes back to the Vikings. Teams like the Raiders, teams like the Steelers, teams like the Falcons. The Broncos, obviously not for Russell Wilson, but they're also going to be hunting to these very few quarterback options available that I think Russ will end up becoming a starter next year, and I think that sometimes when I'm evaluating quarterback Part of my process, at least, Greeny, is, is the quarterback doing what the coach is asking him to do at a high level? And while I don't think Russell Wilson had a bunch of games in which he put the Denver Broncos on his back last year, that was never the directive from Sean Payton. He said very clearly, we want to be a team that values the football. We do not want to beat ourselves ever because once they got that defense back on track... They played ground control football. It wasn't a very efficient running game, but they ran the crap out of the ball, at least in terms of frequency, and they were just good enough in the passing game to win. So I think Russ remains one of the 32 best quarterbacks in the NFL, clearly, and will be a starter. It just may be that he has an option that is not viewed right now as that team's preferred choice. I don't know that Russell Wilson is target 1A for a team at this very moment. That, that's.
0: I think we're all saying the same thing. I do not want anyone to misconstrue what I'm saying as criticism of Russell Wilson. What I'm saying is he's going to have to show he really wants to do this badly because I don't think he's going to be in a situation where someone brings him in, big press conference, here's our starting quarterback, we're building our offense around you. you know, I, He may be competing with... Kenny Pickett or Desmond Ritter or wh- wherever it is Russ, he winds advantage up going. Russ. Yeah, probably.
2: I, I just, I don't believe that Russell Wilson is going to sit back and let, let what has transpired over the last two seasons be the end of the be story. The I agree story. with Babyface. Yeah. I would be absolutely stunned.
0: If Russell was not only in the NFL, I would expect him to be starting. I hope you're right. I'm up against the clock. We'll come back. We have more on this as we go. Uh, We'll talk about another team that might make a move. Should New York make a giant leap up to try and get a quarterback? We'll try and convince the crew the answer should be yes. And then here we go, Danny. Hembo's ready for your return from vacation. Oh, I know this answer. Which draft-eligible quarterback last year threw the most touchdown passes in his FBS career. I know this And answer. he thinks he knows. We'll find out next. I know this answer. Short names.
2: Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling
0: problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, we're back here. Bottom of the hour, Orlovsky is incredibly confident that he knows the answer to this. So of all the quarterbacks who will be eligible to be drafted this year, which one threw the most touchdown passes in his career?
2: Yeah, so it's not JJ McCarthy from Michigan because they ran the ball every play with Blake Corum. You would think it's Jaden Daniels, Heisman Trophy winner. Caleb Williams, Heisman Trophy winner.
0: Nope. Drake May, but I'm going to say Bo Nix from Oregon. I would have said Bo Nicks too, No, I thought I knew it. But it's not. It's Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman threw 134 really? touchdowns mm. in his career. And he's a beautiful human being. The, uh, you, I mean, and,
2: you, got, you got
1: real cocky there, day. Yeah, Buddy, cocky.
2: Sam Hartman threw a buck 34. <laughs> Bo Nix is a buck 13. Yes, I would have guessed Bo Nix
0: also. Um, Sam but, Hartman played for like seven years. <laughs> As so it turns out. <laughs> 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 and, and threw 31 more touchdowns than did, uh, than did Bo Nix. So, Good question, Hembo. I'm proud you were, of your effort. You were close, but not quite right. All right, let's throw some dimes. Let's do what you do best. Yeah. I want you to tell the folks who haven't seen a lot of these guys who they remind you of. Who does Caleb Williams remind you of? Yeah,
2: he reminds me of Tua. If Tua was like a plus plus athlete, I do think he's got really good ball placement. I I was very impressed with you know the ability to play on rhythm this year more so than he was in the past year. And his plus-plus athleticism was what would elevate him. He's like a Tua or a Kirk Cousins pocket passer-wise with that unique athleticism. Oh, I like it.
0: Let's go to Jaden Daniels. Who does he remind us of?
2: Yeah, C.J. Stroud. You know, I, I've constantly talked about C.J. Stroud's throwing motion and some of the elements that are very tight left arm to his chest and a very small and twitchy and compact release, and that's what Jaden has. Every one of these guys' throws, they look very similar in the throwing motion. And his ability to place the football versus tight coverage, that's what separated CJ in college, it did in the NFL, and I think that's what's going to separate Jaden when he gets to the NFL as well. All
0: right, and then Drake May, who does he remind you of?
2: Jordan Love, just because he's so raw and so talented and he has so many wow plays that you sit there and you watch his tape and you're like man there's a lot of uncoachable traits and physical ability in that young man's god-given talents but it has to be refined and it has to be coached up and i think if you do that with drake may you have the opportunity to get a very similar player that is still young in their career but
0: going to ascend very quickly all right i'm going to suggest exactly how that should be done in the nfl in a few minutes but first let's just show you that the order that mel currently has them his mock draft 2.0 came out yesterday he's got him in the order we just showed them and then the fourth quarterback he has going in round one is jj mccarthy so let's start taking our dives into this a lot of people haven't seen drake may the way perhaps you have seen Some of the others, North Carolina had a disappointing season. Show us tape on Drake, man.
2: Athleticism, big plays outside the pocket and a big, powerful arm. Playing against Minnesota week three of the year, okay? You're going to see pressure, a little bit of a three-man rush. Now, I love this. He understands that he's got an open pocket here. Now so often young players just hang in this pocket. He's going to leave the pocket. Two things that I love. Number one, he remains a passer. He's not leaving just to go run. We talk about athletic quarterbacks. So often they leave, their eyes go down, and they turn into a runner. I love the fact that Drake May has his eyes downfield and he's trying to remain a passer. Trying to search for that big play. Beautiful job. Now look at that Greeny. I want to go back. He's going to throw this football from the opposite 50, technically the 50-yard line, but this backside, look at off one leg, okay? Everyone at home, pay attention, this is big time talent. He's throwing the ball from the 50-yard line, running full speed to the sideline versus tight coverage all the way down to the 5-yard line, and that ball is absolutely perfect, okay? So we're talking running sideline or towards the sideline from the 50, 45 yards on an absolutely perfect throw. When it comes to big plays in the NFL, when we watch these quarterbacks do a couple things stand out. Number one, I talked about this. I love the fact that he climbs the pocket. Look, two hands are on the football. The second thing is this. His eyes are remaining. I want to go try to find a big play. Now, this is what I love the instincts okay that receiver is going to put up his hands the receiver is going to put up his hands to drake may and say hey find me with the football and drake may is going to then pull the trigger watch the receiver that's going to come from the left side of our screen okay he is that's the randy moss Mm. he's launching up his hand saying hey go give me a chance and i love the fact that because he kept his eyes downfield he's able to go see that dynamic receiver and again the athleticism to make that throw and that throw is absolutely perfect that's Ideal coverage if you're the defensive back. That's who Drake May is. I remember talking about it with Jordan Love. There is so much raw potential and talent with big plays down the field. Those wow, those jaw-dropping plays, you
0: just have to refine it. But Drake May's got an unbelievably physically gifted talent. Well, the tape is magnificent, as you always are. And and the comparison to Love is a fascinating one because very seldom – do you have a player who gets drafted in the first round that you have the luxury of sitting as long sure. as someone like Jordan Love did or as long as someone like Aaron Rodgers did before him? Particularly if you're going to be drafted as high as we think May is going to be drafted. Rodgers and, and Jordan Love were drafted in the 20s. We think May is going to go in the top three. So we're going to do a thing here We're going to call Change My Mind. Okay. I think the perfect team to go up and get him okay. is the New York Giants. Okay. The New York Giants basically have one more year invested in Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, when healthy, the one year he played the whole year healthy under Brian Dalby, a pretty good year. And that's how he got, got paid. Anticipate that Jones is your starter this year. You bring in Drake May. He's going to sit behind. He's going to learn with the same coach, Brian Dayball, who developed Josh Allen, a lot of similar stuff coming out as a prospect. And if if, if Daniel Jones plays great, then you have a wonderful problem on your hands. What yes. you do with the two of them? Yes. And if he doesn't, you you have no money uh, invested in Daniel Jones beyond this season, and you have the next guy ready to slide in, and he has had time to sit, watch, and learn. What do you think?
2: Yeah, fundamentally, I agree with the premise. I just don't think it's the Giants just because they have more issues than using that capital to go get a quarterback. And Brian Dable is going to have to win this year to keep his job. I'll give you two other teams that I think are in that conversation. Go ahead. Atlanta, but they're going to be in the conversation for every quarterback. Now Atlanta would have to also go get into the Russell Wilson conversation as well because you have to sit, okay? So I could see Atlanta signing Russell Wilson, going up and getting Drake May and saying, yep, we got a chance because we got to develop him. The Las Vegas Raiders. The Las Vegas Raiders have a very good defense. I love Antonio Pierce signing. Dude, you're with Patrick and Justin Herbert. You're going to have to go get a freakazoid at some point. Again, they would have to be – is it Aiden O'Connell that is that quarterback for a year or two? Or do they go get into that Russell conversation? They need a veteran to make sure that they play again, or it's an Aiden O'Connell, and then go up and get Drake May. If you pair Drake May with a guy like Devonte Adams in a year or two, whoo,
0: th- th- then you got a shot. For what it's worth, I like both of your teams. For what it's worth, Atlanta's picking at eight. That's a bigger jump. The Raiders are picking, I, I believe, at thirteen. That's a much bigger jump yep. to get 13. all the way up to three. So these things just get more and more expensive. Yates, uh, talk me through this. What do you think?
3: the minute that a team makes a move as bold as even moving up from 6 to 3 greeny that administration that executes that move is on the clock, and that is the fundamental question that you have to ask if you are the New York Giants, because Brian Dayball and Joe Shane understand they must win this year or else the hot seat will grow that much warmer at the end of this season. I think Drake May has got a brighter future in the NFL than Daniel Jones, but they may have made yeah. their bed last year when they signed him to a four-year deal that included a fully guaranteed second year and $80 million large. If you make this move, which is going to cost you a lot of draft capital. It's not going to be a 6 plus the third, you know, third round pick to go to pick 3. It's going to be probably involving a 2025 first and more. You have to go to your owner and you have to say, "This guy makes us better right now." And oh, by the way, that 80 million dollars that we guaranteed Daniel Jones to offense essentially be a half-year starter prior to his injury last year. So what that's the reality a GM or a head coach has to express to an owner. So, while in an all things being equal world, I'd love a way for the Giants to acquire Drake May. That is an extremely uh, prohibitive cost that I'm just not so sure how realistic it will prove.
1: Field uh, <clears throat> makes a lot of great points. I think the team, the one team that you pointed out, makes a lot of sense. The Raiders. The Raiders need a quarterback. Yes, mm. like they need a quarterback in the worst way. And again. I always talk about, you know, Bill, Bill used to tell us all the time, everything starts within a division. Look who's in your division. Mm-hmm. You got Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes in your division. If You don't have a big-time quarterback. You have no shot. So, again, if you got to give up draft capital, so be it. But you need a quarterback in that division to, have, to give yourself a fighting chance to, co- to compete with those guys. Who
2: knows, if, who knows if Drake May is at three? You know, maybe New England trade, you don't. he might go to five, six, seven, and then it doesn't become as expensive as Field was intimating. I, I just know this. Ooh. If you take the young man who is that physically talented and has to all reports the off the field. I called his games in college. He's a, when you meet him, you're like, yup, you look like it. And when you talk with him, you're like, yeah. I had someone yesterday say, they they spent time with them and it felt like they were sitting with Philip Rivers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you you take them and you sit him, and you groom them and you unleash them. Rivers has been working with them. Go ahead, Yates.
3: Yeah, I was going to say, he's been working with Phillip Rivers, so maybe Phillip's uh, impact, not just in terms of the on-field stuff, but the off-field stuff, is also rubbing off on Drake May. I mean, Dan, he's 21 years old, and yeah. he carries himself like a player that's already been in the NFL for a half a dozen years. It is remarkable the crit- uh, the feedback that I've received in regards to Drake May in just a couple of days here in Indianapolis. So the off-field stuff is going to be terrific, and I know you mentioned the idea of him maybe moving uh, down past three, four, five, or six. I just just think in this draft, if you're the commander of the Patriots and you're not planning on taking one of those quarterbacks, just go find somebody that's willing to move up because I guarantee you at least one team would be willing to move up because I, these three kids are absolute star prospects.
1: I just don't think the Patriots should take a quarterback at three. I, they can't. They, to me, their roster can't support a, a rookie quarterback.
2: I, right I agree. Have I to. remind everybody this and babyface, It I is a to. developmental position. Yeah. It, it, yes, they all have issues. They all have bad in their game. It is your freaking job to develop them as an organization. There's not a lot of people on the planet that look and move like Drake May that you have the
0: opportunity to develop. We'll see what winds up happening in the meantime as we continue next. Bad cowboy karma. Mad Dog went off yesterday on Jerry Jones. And while it kills me to say it, the truth is he is dead wrong. And you'll hear why next. Get up on ESPN. right, we are back on Get Up, and our next feature is called Sound Off. It is interesting people saying interesting things. These all come from the world of football, the first, maybe the most interesting person ever to talk about sports. Chris Mad Dog Russo had this to say on first take yesterday about Jerry Jones. But I don't want Jerry
2: Jones anywhere near my ball club. He's an owner stay as an owner, and stay away. I don't want you on the field. I don't want you doing post-game interviews with the media. I don't want you doing radio shows. Uh, There is no accountability with the Cowboys. To me, the karma is always bad with that franchise. Why? Because the owner is too involved.
0: Is the owner the reason the Cowboys have come up short, Damian Woody, yes
1: or no? No. Like, anyone who says that, they're kidding themselves. They just... Doing a lot of yapping. Does Jerry Jones hold press conferences outside the locker room? Absolutely. Like you said earlier, is Jerry Jones the star of the the Dallas Cowboys? Yes, he is. He's the owner. He can do whatever the hell he wants. But at the end of the day, did Jerry Jones have anything to do with stopping Aaron Jones, rushing the football down down the Dallas uh, Dallas Cowboys' throat? No. And he did, did anybody did, else, did, by the way. Or did he have anything to do with Dak Prescott and Ceedee Lamb not being on the same page? Mm. Or Michael, Michael Parsons not having a bigger impact? He didn't have anything to do with that. Okay? So as much as we want, you know, as much as we want to excoriate, you know, the owner for holding press conferences that had nothing to do with anything on the field. I, I think the Cowboys'
2: biggest problem is they don't have, in the biggest moments, someone that they can turn to, a, a person that they can look to. Like I think DeMarcus Lawrence is a dog, and Michael Parsons is a dog. I don't know if they have somebody in those crunch time moments that they can look to and be like, we got him, and we're okay. We, we, we got that guy, and we're good. Isn't the quarterback supposed to be that guy? For a lot of teams, it is. It's not always, but for a lot of teams, it is. This isn't, uh, like, th- isn't going to turn into the whole like, Dak situation, but th- that's their problem. We can't compliment Jerry Jones – and Steven Jones, and Will Clay for the football team that they have built. Mm-hmm. They have won 12 games three years in a row. They have drafted Zach Martin and Micah Parsons and CeeDee Lamb and Demarcus Lawrence and Trayvon Diggs. We can't laud them for building the roster and also say that the problem why they can't get over the hump. Right. Those two things cannot be mutually together. It's either they've run a really good organization, have a really good football team, and they don't have the people to get over the hump or not.
0: Cowboys have drafted as well, and Field Yates knows this as well as anybody, they've drafted about as well as any team in the league over the last several years. Go ahead, Yates.
3: Yeah, I was going to say, GM Jerry Jones actually kind of aces it very often here in the draft. Dan listed some of their notable hits. Tyler Smith just a couple of years ago, another gem they found in the first round. Uh, (laughs) I also will say this, not to make everything about what's going to take place over these next few days here on the Indianapolis Combine, but Jaden Daniels is the kind of player when the moment gets its biggest – he responds to the moment in a way that matches the pressure. So that's just an aside that I will just be part of the conversation for the quarterbacks. But no, I I think that uh, Jerry Jones uh, is not too involved in this Cowboys organization. I think he maybe at times puts himself out there publicly too much, but we're 30 years into this. That's not going to change with Jerry Jones. They simply need to find players. And I hate to use such a cliche here. They need more dog in them. They need to know that when it's the playoffs and the opportunity to end the streak of making the postseason and not reaching the, conference championship is on the line who is going to meet the moment I don't want to make everything about the Chiefs all the time but what we realize about the Chiefs this year more so than any other of their prior six years with Patrick Mahomes on their roster is that when the stakes are their highest the Chiefs say as Andy Reid told Patrick one time when things get grim be the reaper the Cowboys can't wilt under the pressure like they have all too frequently I don't think that's an ownership problem. I think that's a player problem and a coaching yeah. problem in the most pivotal moments.
2: Mm-hmm. I, like the Yankees were the greatest baseball team forever for a while.
0: George Denner, Steinbrenner wasn't he always out in the public? Yes, very much. But they so. won. They were con- he was constantly firing people, making right. big signings, all of that stuff. Yeah, but they won. Yeah. So it's at some
2: point they had the guys to go win the games. I think of, like, basketball. Pat Riley, isn't he a very public figure with the Miami Heat? But they've won. Yeah. So it's like – it's it's we, we talk about the Cowboys like, well, Jerry Jones is very public and constantly talking, and so if you do that, you can't win. But we have other evidence of either
0: owners or general managers who do do that and their organizations have won. The only thing we can the only thing we can say with certainty that would seem to work against Jerry Jones is that he's the only thread of commonality of a team that has not made it to the NFC Championship game over the last 30 years. He's the one person who's been there the entire time. So if you want to say, well, he has to be the, you know, like, to, to quote the great Taylor Swift, it's me, I, I'm the problem, it's me. He's the only one who's been there the entire time. <laughs> that said, his team has been more than good enough to have achieved more than it has achieved over the last several years, and I don't blame that on him
1: at all. I think the only thing that I that I will, that I will say, and you we've seen this out of a couple teams in the NFC, where I would like to see them make a move in season sometimes. Mm-hmm. We've seen the San Francisco 49ers do that. Yeah. We've seen the Philadelphia Eagles do that and propel them. That's really the one thing we haven't really seen from the Dallas Cowboys. He did it since. once. He did it with Amari Cooper and it worked. Right,
0: I mean, I think they a lot of us think it's in the middle of the season. And it made a big difference, right? Yeah. It, it, well, I it, remember Dak yeah. was like yeah, it was it is okay, true. right?
2: right? Yes. And they got poop and, w- and Dak started to play so, at a yeah. really high level. Yeah. Look, <sighs> he tried last year with Shaq Leonard. Shaq Leonard, to my knowledge, chose the Eagles over the Cowboys. They tried to fix the linebacker situation last year. They just didn't. Last year they went and got Steph. Last, You know, so they have made – again, they've won 12 games three years in a row.
0: Yeah. The, 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 the thing about Jerry is he'll stare directly in the sun, but rarely in the mirror. It must be exhausting always rooting we for canceled. the anti-hero. <laughs> that said, let me play you one more. Nicole Hardman, Super Bowl champion and hero, was on uh, Ryan Clark's The Pivot, and he was talking about having been with the Jets and everything else that happened there. Here's what he said.
1: You just got a new coach that came in, you know, and like, it's no standard there. It's like everybody do what they want to do. And it's like, whatever. Now, granted, the defense have a more of a stabilized standard with that, with the coaching staff on that side. So you could tell the defense got a, they got a, a standard, but the offense is just like, all right, we'll just figure it out. It's Aaron show. Let Aaron do what Aaron do, you know what I mean? But then when Aaron go down, it's like, we don't know what to do.
0: That's, I mean, from the outside, that is kind of what it looked like to me, D-Wood. Where
1: is the line? Yeah. Where is the line? Aaron Rodgers went down the fourth, what, the fourth snap of the game? Yeah. And it's just like the whole team, they just threw their hands up, like, well, we don't have Aaron Rodgers. There's nothing, we, we, there's no adjustment. Like, we've seen other teams, we saw the Cleveland Browns adjust. We, we've seen other teams that lose their quarterback and they adjusted. We didn't see no such thing with the New York Jets last year. So he didn't lie one bit when he said that.
2: My issue with it is this I, I, we obviously aren't there. I do know this. If you as an organization are, and I was on bad teams, one of the we were on them together. Mm -hmm. If you can't get your guys to do like the annoying little stuff, without finding it to be annoying and little, you're going to struggle to win football games. So the whole helmet thing and whatnot, like that, that might to the outside think of little things turn to big things. And and if you you got to get your guys to not think of them as little things, you got to think of it as this is the way we go about
0: our business here. It was a very depressing thing to hear McCall Hardman say. <laughs> <laughs> RC, RC called me. He it was it's a like New Year. you're gonna enjoy this, Greeny. and uh, enjoy is a strange word for it. But uh, it was uh, it was telling. Okay, uh, tonight we've got two of the biggest women's games on the schedule. We got number five Virginia Tech taking on number 17 Notre Dame. That's seven Eastern on ESPN. Then on ESPN two, excuse me, we'll have Angel Reese. And number nine, LSU squaring off against Georgia. All the action coming your way tonight. First day coming your way at the top of the hour. Should last night's Lakers win over the Clippers change your view on the bronze team? Molly, Stephen A., Wendy, and others debate that and more. Top of the hour here on ESPN. Get Up is brought to you by FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu. And before we wrap up for the day, uh, just a quick recap of where we've been. D-Wood got a little Theragun massage. Yeah. Right? We enjoyed that. Yeah. Got the gun right here, Danny. Yep, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Right, let me get this thing uh, fired up for you here. Yeah. And as I do that, we'll remind everyone we also got to see D-Wood bench pressing field Yates. Let's uh, let's show that again if we can. Green. We got Yates. Oh, there we go. No. Look, he's kind Green. of... Snuggling me, in there. Let me show yeah. you how to work this. That's a very intimate. It, that was a oh vice grip on, on that it. right eye. Oh, vice
1: oh,
3: grip. Yeah.
0: You're pressing too hard. No, that's how you. <laughs> what do you think you're doing? This is an agony. You got to do it. You got to bring it in. in. Stephen A., take it. <laughs>